The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good afternoon and welcome to One Hour at a Time. Recovery begins with education and host Mary Woods is here to educate individuals and families and provide support through the recovery process. Now here's your host, Mary Woods. Welcome everyone to One Hour at a Time. Of course, this is John McAndrew, your guest host. And uh, today's show is a different one. It's sort of a town hall setting and our, our guest is is TADIS, and TADIS is the Tennessee Association of Alcohol, Drug, and Other Addiction Services in the state of Tennessee. Um, it's a statewide consumer-oriented association representing thousands of consumers in recovery, family members, healthcare professionals, and providers. And TADIS's mission is to provide a collaborative Tennessee voice for addiction co-occurring prevention and recovery support services to affect positive change. And we have a really nice cross-section of uh, people represented here today, people from, uh, we have Charlotte Hoppers from Grace House in Memphis. We have Boomer Brown from Chattanooga. We have Kyle Duvall representing Welcome Home Ministries in Nashville. And Debbie Hillen from Hohenwald, Tennessee. Debbie's been involved in this field for, it seems like, 100 years. and She has a lot of experience to bring to this. Dina Crossley from Samaritan Recovery Community in Nashville, Tennessee. And the first person we want to talk to is Mary Lyndon Salter, and she's the executive director of TADIS. And uh, Mary, welcome to the show. Hi. Thank you for having us. I... If you could give us a little background on TADIS, the why and the what and the how and how long it's been around, I think Tennessee should be very proud of the fact that there is an association like this that is uh, organized, pretty organized, yeah. and, uh, and, you know, and tell us kind of about what TADIS does. Well, um, TADIS was started in the 1970s, 1976. Um, as a provider association primarily, but those providers got together to really talk about um, advocacy issues and, and the need for a provider association kind of came out of that, uh, is my understanding. Um, and it has grown along the years. Um, it has kept that core mission of advocacy, but currently we have a lot of other ancillary programs that kind of enhance that mission. Um, or very early on, we um, added a, a, a statewide 24-7 hotline to be able to um, refer people to resources around the state, primarily for treatment, but over the years that's evolved into not only substance abuse treatment, but also um, gambling addiction disorders, um, eating disorders, mental health, um, emergency treatment. We refer people to recovery support organizations such as supportive housing and um, sober living, as well as AA and NA resources. We even refer people to um, supportive um, uh, self-help groups and, and when needed, uh, 
as diverse as programs as um, domestic violence shelters for people who need um, that as well. So that's one of the services that's evolved over the years. And I've probably as a side, a quick side note, I'll say that that's probably done a lot to um, guide what TADIS does. We see the need um, as we get those calls and we right. pretty much are able to understand the trends in substance abuse and alcohol abuse and the services that are needed. So that's been a real help to our advocacy mission as well as just making sure that people get access to resources. And is that the Tennessee Red Line? Is that what that's called? That is the Tennessee Red Line. And it's a 24-7 hotline. Uh, we staff it here, and, and we have some ancillary help as well. But um, it is, like I said, something that we, we staff in order to make sure people have access to resources. We have just received um, a private grant through the Baptist Healing Trust that also helps us make sure that we um, provide people who need um, insurance coverage. A lot of our callers call who are uninsured. And um, oftentimes they need help accessing Medicaid or other um, support services. The number, and I might, you know, and for the listeners, get out your little pencil or paintbrush, whatever you use. The Tennessee Red Line number, and I think this is pretty important to have, uh, is 1 800 889 9789. Again, that's 1 800. 889-9789, and there's also a questionnaire that people can fill out when they call that number. What is the purpose of that questionnaire? Um, we have a couple different questionnaires. One is for people to tell us what kind of services they'd like to see on the red line, and the other is for providers so that they can send us their resource information so that we can make sure and have it accessible to folks who call. Mm -hmm. Very good. We also have several other grants. Um, that we've gotten through the years. One is um, a clearinghouse grant or a community outreach grant, and it allows us to have um, a, a, a statewide um, kind of a central uh, location for resources. Um, we have on-site here at the TADIS offices uh, a literally like a, a bookstore full of resources that people come in and browse, take what they need, um, order multiple copies, and it includes resources for schools, for treatment centers, for clinicians, for public health programs. Uh, it includes materials for prevention and um, just general um, health and safety and wellness information. And those are all free to anyone who mm -hmm. comes in. And we also have them available um, on our website so that people can order them. And again, for free. They're shipped for free. And we provide those resources to anyone in the state of Tennessee. And you also, well, it's, it's sort of a hub for information. Um, and coming from the people that are looking for help from that side of the fence, you also have a, it's called the Recovery Bookstore. Is that what that's called? And they can get all sorts of stuff I hear. It's a recovery bookstore that we have for people um, who want to come in and browse. It, it is uh, articles and different kinds of information that we're not able to get for free. And so we, we do charge uh, people for for those items, um, but they are they include resources that come from private sources as well as just things from NA and NA like um, commemorative chips and commemorative items that uh, just to support the recovery community. Mm -hmm. I, I I looked at your website and and one thing that interests of course us at Westbridge and and the show about co-occurring. Can you tell us a little bit about the Tennessee Co-Occurring Disorders Collaborative or 
uh, you know, what they're doing here in the state of Tennessee. That is another um, grant that the state has issued in order to work on a, a collaboration of partners. Those partners include not only TADIS um, right now and our provider um, members, but um, PAMHO, the Tennessee Association of Mental Health Organizations, and uh, NAMI Tennessee, as well as the Tennessee Mental Health Consumers Organization. It also includes Tennessee Voices for Children and a host of other advocates around the state who are just interested in making sure that that there is a no wrong door in order to access treatment. Right, and they can find all that information on the TADIS website. Um, you can on the TADIS website in the Clearinghouse, and there is actually a co-occurring disorders website um, unique for that program. But okay. the uh, the resources are are somewhat in development, but there's a, a lot of resources available now, and and a speakers bureau of people who can come and talk um, to community organizations, provider organizations about the need to provide co-occurring treatment. Right. And we encourage people to go to the website, what, when, and www.tadas.org, and that's T-A-A-D-A-S.org. Correct. And just please go there. Um, there's no telling what you might learn by going on that website. And our, the rest of our guests today um, all bring perspective and experience in trying to get help to individuals and families in the state of Tennessee. And with the theme being Recovery Tennessee, we tried to cover those of you that aren't aware uh, of how Tennessee is made up. There's a, a western part, and there's a middle part, and there's an eastern part. Um, and so we have, I think we have, you know, fairly well represented everybody uh, in all these sections. And I, the first person I want to talk to is Boomer Brown, uh, Boomer has uh, been around for quite a while in this community, and he he works for the Council for Alcohol and Drug Abuse Services called CADAS, C-A-D-A-S, in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Welcome to the show, Boomer. Thank you, John. I appreciate the opportunity to be on your show and sitting here listening to Mary Linden talk, and I didn't know we did all that. And, uh, <laughs> that that's just amazing where, where TADIS has gone from the time that I came on board. Uh, I've been with CADIS now going on 26 years. CADIS is a, is a full continuum of care treatment center in the southeast, eastern state of, the, of, of Tennessee. Uh, Tennessee's kind of unusual. We've got three distinct places. We have east, middle, and west, and uh, they're like night, day, and middle of the day. Uh, each one's a little different uh, uh, and unique in their own way. Uh, we have a... CADIS has... As I said, the full continuum of care, we have adolescents, we have adults, we have inpatient, we have outpatient, we have halfway house, we have a women's program for women and their children. Uh, we also, we have a, a dual halfway house where we do women and men and women in the same building. We're kind of unique in that we do that. Uh, it's something we came up with about you know, 15 years ago. We were doing a halfway house for men like a lot of people do. And, and we kept getting all these calls for women, and and, uh, and we were losing a lot of our men. They weren't relapsing. What they were doing is they were going out and getting in relationships, and then they were relapsing. And, and, and it started to be really evident that uh, that was as big a problem as the, right. the alcohol or the drugs. And so we started treating 
that particular issue when we brought the women in-house. And so we've, we've, uh, we've had some problems with it, but overall it's really been good for the men and the women to learn to associate with each other and learn how to get along with each other and to become friends rather than become uh, something that I need you in my life to make me better. And, uh, and that's been one of the fun things that we've done at Cadiz. Um, we serve about 150 people a day in all of our programs. Uh, we are what they call in, in the state of Tennessee, we're co-occurring capable. Uh, that means that we, we do dual diagnosis uh, and we work hand-in-hand -hand with one of our mental health uh, co-ops in Chattanooga. Uh, they have a crisis center and, uh, and we work very closely with them where, you know, when there is a crisis, uh, if the person, if it's a mental health crisis and alcohol and drugs are involved, then they will treat the mental health and send us for the alcohol and drugs. If alcohol and drugs is the primary problem at, at the moment they, they present themselves, then we treat the alcohol and drugs, and then we send them back to the crisis center, right. and they treat the mental health. Right. And so we've got a real good working relationship, and when I first started 26 years ago, we didn't even talk to the folks at the mental health center. It's uh, we, kind of like oil and water you know, when, I, when I first came into the field, and that really has changed. Yeah. Uh, advocacy has changed. Uh, we didn't advocate. We just tried to hold on and just help the people that needed help. Right. We weren't worried about advocacy at the time. We were trying. We were trying to keep the doors open, mm. and uh, so it's come a long ways. Cadiz uh, is. Uh, we serve about. We have 16 counties. There's 96 counties in the state of Tennessee, and I think last year we had people from 90, 76 counties come to the come to Cadiz. So we we service the state, but we're responsible for the 16 counties as far as the state is concerned, and. Uh, that's a little bit about Cadiz. I don't want to take up everybody's time. Well, and Boomer, yeah. just one question, and briefly, um, how was your involvement in TADIS, the association? Uh, I'm sure that's evolved over the years. But what is the benefit of all of you getting into the bus together and advocating as a whole? Well, I think the most important thing is it gives the opportunity for the executive directors of these organizations to come together with people once a month and vent their frustrations with the system, their frustrations with the state, and their frustrations with their day-to-day -day operations and, the, and their people and the problems that we incur. And this way that we get to talk about it and get to, and we get to, because you know when you work every day, you know when you're at the top level, you don't get to, you don't get to voice your opinion. You don't want anybody to, to, yeah. to vent with. Well, thank you, Boomer. We've been talking to, uh, to Tadis here in Nashville, Tennessee, and we're going to speak to a few more providers as we uh, come back into the next section. And I encourage you all to go to the Tadis website as we go through this discussion today, and we'll be right back. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge is a nonprofit organization dedicated to supporting the recovery of families and individuals who experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. Westbridge provides integrated dual diagnosis treatment for adult men and women using evidence-based practices. Visit our site today at westbridge.org and discover that doing what works in helping individuals and families gain recovery from dual disorders is important to the staff at Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge utilizes current evidence-based practices, consensus practices, and old-fashioned 
common sense to provide treatment to individuals and families that experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. That's westbridge.org, Family Center Recovery for Co-Occurring Mental Illness and Substance Abuse Disorders. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. If you have a question for Mary or her guest, call now. The listener lines are open. The toll-free number is 1-866-472-5792. That number again is 1-866-472-5792. Now, let's get back to Mary and One Hour at a Time. Welcome back, everybody. We're talking to Tadis. This is a, a different kind of a show for one hour at a time. It's sort of a town hall meeting. We have the executive director, Mary Lyndon Salter, of Tadis with us, and we have four or five providers from the state of Tennessee representing all the sections, the, the west, the middle, and the east, and we talked to Boomer Brown from Chattanooga a minute ago. And before we go any farther, we want you to go to the website, to the tatus.org website and uh, get the red line number and uh, find out where the questionnaire is. And there's some good information about co-occurring on there as well. And our next guest, uh, his name is Kyle Duvall, and he represents Welcome Home Ministries. And Kyle has a lot of experience uh, in the subject of continuum of care, and I think uh, we've had a lot of people on our show, and I've heard them talk about the model of treatment, the old model was you get in a jet and you fly to a palm tree somewhere and you get out for 30 days and then you come back home and they pat you on the tail and they say good luck. And uh, I think Kyle has some pretty good insights uh, about his facility and about this whole process of the continuum of care. Welcome to the show, Kyle. Thank you, John. It's always exciting to be able to tell the Welcome Home Ministry story and um we, uh, Welcome Home Ministries was established in 1992 by our executive director and founder, uh, Daryl Murray. And uh, for 21 years now, we have been a recovery resident. You know, we talk about halfway houses, but right. it's important to note that there's, there, there are a lot of different types of housing out there, and, 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 and our recovery services occur in our recovery residence. And... Uh, we have, um, I think it's important to point out, too, there are many people in TADIS who are, are treatment-oriented. But once you leave treatment, you were talking about that airplane, you know, mm-hmm. Will, but there is a handoff that often occurs, whether you're in outpatient, intensive outpatient treatment or inpatient treatment, and that is recovery facilities like ours. We are a 24-7 living uh, environment. And recently we just, we're small, but we just opened our sixth uh, facility. So what occurs when gentlemen come to our program, and it's for men, as I say, but when gentlemen come into our program, um, they enter as a guest. And then there are six levels of progression to go through, guest, freshman, sophomore, junior, senior, graduate. It takes a minimum of about, we encourage six months um, to be in our 24-7 living environment. But actually, uh, we also encourage a year because that's a, a cycle in which events occur, that triggers and so forth. So um, what we really do is provide the support. Now, we have gentlemen in our program that are co-occurring. So it's very important for us to have the treatment facilities and mental health facilities available to us. But what we hear from licensed alcohol and drug counselors is that if 
individuals leave uh, their uh, their programs, if you will, and go into communities that don't support sober living, then relapse is you know, greater to occur, and they lose a lot of the outcomes that they had. So I think what we offer in our environment are those types of services that give men the tools with which to use uh, for sustainable sobriety. That's why we encourage men in six months. Where are you located? We have, we're in the East Nashville area, uh, but we, we take individuals in our program throughout Middle Tennessee. And we also have several types of residences. We have one exclusively for veterans, because veterans' needs are different if you will, than for maybe the general population. We also have, um, there are recovery courts that are becoming very popular in placing men into um, programs like ours as opposed to prison, if you will. And one of the phases we have in our program is um, from drug court fours, it's called uh, Judge right. Seth Norman here. And some of the gentlemen uh, serve out some of their sentence with us on about the third phase there. And then the general population. So there are several levels, there are several types of housing that we provide, all under the same umbrella of recovery support. But with that, there, that, you talk about the greater continuum, there are many needs. First of all, sober living community. Secondly, there are employment needs. And then when they find the job, there's the, the transportation needs. There are many needs that we try to help provide and to, to give some of these tools to help. Uh, and Kyle, what is the advantage of, uh, you've been a member of TATUS for how long? Well, I don't know how long Daryl Murray, our executive director, has been a member. I've been here since about 2010, but I can tell you the collaboration is very important because, as Boomer was suggesting a while ago, when you come to the table, you see what these various issues are, and they're, they're different depending on where we are in the state, different regions of the state. Uh-huh. But I think we offer, on the recovery support side, if you will, that I'm talking about, ability to talk to the other treatment facilities around us and give them an opportunity to be a responsible recovery residence is. So I think uh, it's, it's, a, it's a great synergy when we all come to the table here and are able to share with what we all provide. I think that's one of the great, and plus the unique voice we have when we uh, speak with one accord to state officials and local officials and so forth. That's Thank you. Thank you very much, and I appreciate you all coming today. Our next guest is Debbie Hillen, and uh, Debbie has been in the field for quite a while as well, and I think uh, she, she repre- represents Buffalo Valley, which is in a, a town, now I'm going to try to pronounce this right, called Hohenwald, Tennessee. Welcome to the show, Debbie. Thank you, and for those of us who don't live in Hohenwald, we refer to it as Hole in the Wall, because <laughs> you really want to go there, you got to go there to get there. Uh, and thank you, John. Um, Buffalo Valley's been around since 1979. Um, I've been a licensed counselor in this state for over 25 years, and I've been at Buffalo Valley for 23 of those uh, 25 years. Buffalo Valley, uh, like you've heard some of the others already talk about, um, provides a full continuum of care for medical monitor crisis detox, ambulatory detox, residential treatment, halfway house, intensive outpatient. We're also licensed as a mental health outpatient center. Uh, In addition to treatment, um, we also are a large HUD continuum of care provider. We learned a long time ago that many of our clients coming through treatment had no place to live other than the bridges and, and, and shelters 
um, and on the street. So we got interested in housing, and from that, we now have over 600 units of housing ranging from emergency shelter to transitional housing, recovery environment, like you just heard Kyle speak about, uh, permanent housing with supportive services, low income, home ownership, housing for the disabled, and elderly housing, as well as uh, we have specific housing for our veterans through the VA Grant for Dem program, as well as supportive services for our veterans' families where we're able to provide prevention funds to keep a veteran from becoming homeless and on the street, as well as providing rapid rehousing deposits to help a veteran get into an apartment, into a home, where maybe they don't have that upfront money that they need with the goal of making sure our veterans are not homeless. We also are a large uh, SAMHSA provider in that we provide co-occurring for homeless women uh, through a grant through SAMHSA, through the federal agency, as well as a health information technology grant through SAMHSA where we provide e-services and integrated electronic health records. Uh, Buffalo Valley, with the trends in uh, health care reform, we have uh, purchased a, a certified electronic health record. We're in the process of integrating that to be in total compliance with what's coming down as far as health care goes. And we also have an unusual grant uh, through HRSA, which is for rural outreach for women who have no insurance. So we have fully integrated primary care, dental care, and behavioral health uh, in two of our sites completely. So uh, a female can walk into one of our one of these two centers and get dental, primary care, and behavioral health all addressed at uh, at the same time. Um, Buffalo Valley is also a certified application counselor. If you've been listening much to the uh, Healthcare reform, um, navigators, uh, CACs uh, is a designation that our agency was able to get to try to help those who don't have insurance signed up under the uh, marketplace so that they do have access to healthcare. And I know one of the questions that you've been asking, uh, John, has been the value of PADA. Right. So I'm going to go ahead and answer the question for right. you. Uh, I've had the uh, pleasure uh, for the past two years is serving as president of TADIS, and I've, I've rolled off now, and uh, Charlotte is now that president of TADIS, but one of the reasons that Buffalo Valley belongs to TADIS is that um, the collaboration you heard, I think, Boomer talked about, and the synergy you heard Kyle talk about, but it's that single voice, where they won't pay a lot of attention to a single provider thinking it is self-serving. Uh, through TADIS, we're able to have a stronger voice, a collaborative voice that provides a need across the state. It's just not singular in, uh, in what we do. It provides a stronger impact on when we're trying to talk with the state, when we're trying to talk with our politicians, is trying while we're advocating for, uh, for those needs. It also, through TADIS, allows us to look at best practices and to see what current trends are going on in the field. Thank you very much, Debbie. Buffalo Valley, uh, Hohenwald is about an hour and a half from Nashville. It is about an hour and a half uh, kind of southwest of Nashville. We also have uh, 
site in Clarksville, Tennessee, <coughs> Stillion Springs, which is just north of Lebanon, uh, Nashville, Lewisburg, as well as Hohenwald. Your footprint is really big and strong, though, in that rural community, and I think that's really important for folks in that area to... Our, our big advocacy is focusing on the rural issues uh, that is placed, and last year we served 90 of the 95 counties in Tennessee. Awesome. Our next guest is Dina Crossland. She represents Samaritan Recovery Community, and uh, Samaritan is a nonprofit, and you have co-occurring disorders uh, in italics and bolded on your website, so, that, of course, this interest you know, us a lot, and uh, you serve the Nashville area and Middle Tennessee area since 1964, so welcome to the show, Dean. Thank you. Thanks for having us. We have, um, I've been at Samaritan for, I'm, for about 18 years, and I'm thinking that we were probably one of the first, if not the first, treatment center in the state to provide treatment for co-occurring disorders officially, mm -hmm. so we're proud of that. Um, when I first came to Nashville to work here, um, if somebody had a co-occurring disorder, they were automatically, you were told, well, you can't get treatment in an alcohol and drug rehab and you can't bring your meds with you. Right. You've got to either, you've got to do one or the other. But today that's not true. Today it's like, no, you, know, you have to treat both disorders at the same time. That's the very best way to take care of the situation. Um, so... I'm a therapist there. I've been there for 18 years, mm -hmm. like I said. We provide um, outpatient treatment. We provide uh, residential treatment. We have 26 residential beds. We also have 30 um, halfway house beds, and we have three supportive housing uh, uh, houses in the community. We are one of the smaller agencies compared to um, what right. I've heard our, my peers talk about here, but... Um, we have been working diligently since 1964 uh, fighting the battle against drugs and alcohol. Well, thank you very much. And, and you have a psychologist and medical staff. Do you do detox at your facility? We do not do detox. Do not. So this is one of the things that we don't do. Uh, we do not do medical detox. We do social detox. We do ask that um, we do everything that we can to try to get people to have at least two days sober before they come into treatment, and then we'll assess for detox. We will um, make a referral to Buffalo Valley for detox. We will send people to other agencies uh, for detox if they need medical detox. And you treat men and women? I, I didn't... We do treat men and women. We do not treat adolescents. Um, well, anybody under 18. I think 18-year-olds are still adolescents. But... Um, There's some smiles in this room. Yeah. <laughs> We, we, we are for adults. I think the oldest person that we've had come into treatment is probably about 78 years old. And um, we're finding, you know, alcohol is probably one of the main drugs that we've had, you know, over the years. But we're lately finding a great increase in opiates and heroin. And the challenges of uh, the stigma of co-occurring, and not so much stigma, but best practices, that's a field that's moving uh, you and you say you've been kind of in the middle of that in Nashville for quite a while. Huh? Yeah, it's it's been a it's been a challenge because a lot of our clients that come in are homeless or they're indigent. They don't have insurance or they've got kin care and they've got limited resources. The most difficult issue has been 
making sure that people have the appropriate medication and have a psychiatrist. We have a consulting um, psychiatric nurse practitioner that we can refer people to, but um, it, it just, it's just been a challenge for years, making sure that people have the services they need for their psychiatric disorder. Thank you very much. And our, our final guest, Charlotte Hopper, who just flew in from Memphis, now we're going to swing over to the western part of the state. She's going to be back after we're done with our break. Again, we've been talking to Tadis and some different folks around the Tennessee, state of Tennessee, who are providers, and we're going to get into a little more of this thread of advocacy as we go on in the show, and I think as everyone has heard, with mental illness and substance abuse, we all become pretty interconnected with the state and all the other providers. So we'll continue with that, and we're going to talk with Charlotte Hopper when we're back. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge is a nonprofit organization dedicated to supporting the recovery of families and individuals who experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. Westbridge provides integrated dual diagnosis treatment for adult men and women using evidence-based practices. Visit our site today at westbridge.org and discover that doing what works in helping individuals and families gain recovery from dual disorders is important to the staff at Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge utilizes current evidence-based practices, consensus practices, and old-fashioned common sense to provide treatment to individuals and families that experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. That's westbridge.org, family-centered recovery for co-occurring mental illness and substance abuse disorders. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. If you have a question for Mary or her guests, call now. The listener lines are open. The toll-free number is 1-866-472-5792. That number again is 1-866-472-5792. Now, let's get back to Mary and One Hour at a Time. Welcome back, everybody. We've been talking to the folks at had us here in Nashville, Tennessee, and uh, we've had some guests on. And before I go any further, I want to remind our listeners they can find this show. will be available on, uh, you can go to www.westbridge.org, and you can look under the resources button, and you'll find the one hour at a time show where you can hear it, where you can hear the archive show, and, and the other resources at Westbridge, of course, the book, when the door opened, it's stories of recovery from co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. And it's a very powerful book, which I think we're going to get into the library here at Tadis. I think. Very good. So we will get that done. And so Charlotte, who came in from Memphis, uh, represents Grace House of Memphis. Um, and Charlotte, I, I think... Like everybody else here, your experience and your knowledge in this field of helping people, but you have a, a little different sort of a, you take care of a small population, don't you? Why don't you tell us about Grace Hub? Well, thank you, John. We do. We specialize in treatment for women. Uh, we started in 1976. The founder was a lady named Pat Stokes, and she wanted to 
open a facility where women could help other women get sober. And so we've kind of carried on that tradition for the uh, last, well, all these years since 76. And um, we've kind of, we've grown in a lot, a lot of ways. And I, and I think that different people here have talked about the co-occurring piece. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to kind of address that quickly. You know, we, um, too, used to admit people, admit women, even though most um, other substance abuse agencies would not admit them if they were taking medications. Well, you know, word on the street was is that if you wanted to go to an AD treatment center, you couldn't be on any medications when you went there. Right. And so you can imagine what a joy it was to have women stop taking their medications for mental illnesses so that they could come to treatment for A and D. So I'm very glad that we were able to make that leap and right. uh, and realize how they interacted with each other. So. We do have a full continuum of services for women. Uh, we start with uh, social detox and all the way through halfway house, and then we have a, a program for women that's uh, tenant-based real assistance funded through HUD. Um, so we do specialized treatment for women because women have a little bit different issues from what men have. Uh, they're physically, they metabolize alcohol in a different way. Right. Uh, their reasons for coming to treatment is different. The barriers for getting into treatment is different. So um, we just you know, look at the trauma issues, a lot of things that are beyond alcohol and drugs. Right. And so um, our goal is to have a, a woman functioning uh, mentally, physically, spiritually, occupationally, in all ways. Um, when she leaves treatment, she's got her foot into recovery. We have all the women connect with community resources for medical care and psychiatric care. And I think that's one advantage that we have over agencies that are in rural areas is because we do have those community centers that are so close to us. And the women can continue to be connected with them even when they leave this house. Right. How long have you been uh, associated with TATUS and, and what are the benefits of that for, uh, for Grace House? Well, I think TATUS was... Uh, founded in 1976, I believe, and I certainly haven't been around that long myself, but um, I became executive director three years ago, and I know that we've probably been members since the get-go, would be my guess. Uh-huh. Uh, the benefits, um, like everybody else has said, it's staying connected. It's it's knowing what's going on. You know, in smaller agencies, and we're probably the smallest of everyone here, in smaller agencies, it's easy to get lost, and it's easy for our voice to be lost because... Um, there are just too many other big agencies out there that, that have the ears, the politicians, and the people on the state level that, um, that are the decision makers. So it gives us a voice. All right. And Mary, I want to go back to Mary and ask her a question. Now, uh, Wednesday um, the 12th, is that the right date? February 12th. Tadis has an event called A Day on the Hill. Mary, can you tell us kind of the why and what and how of that event? It has been an annual event for TADIS, um, as far as I know, for at least several decades. But it is a, a, a day, an advocacy day, that all the member organizations come together uh, around some uh, legislative uh, actions on the Hill and to meet their legislatures to let them know about the, the needs of Tennesseans who have alcohol, drug, and co-occurring disorders. Um, specifically, we t- typically put together kind of a briefing sheet about various pieces of legislation and uh, kind of from the alcohol and drug perspective, we try to give input about um, 
then again, the needs of Tennesseans and how that fits within the, the continuum of care that mm-hmm. exists in Tennessee. Um, we try to keep our legislators, uh, legis- legislators excuse me, informed about uh, current trends. Sometimes um, legislation can seem um, kind of an after-the-fact, so we try to make sure that, that we keep, it, keep folks as current as possible. But we also just try to make sure that we um, keep, uh, keep alcohol and drug substance abuse and the co-occurring treatment needs um, at the forefront of, of people thinking about what's going on um, legislatively and, and uh, in our community. According to some of the statistics that TADIS has, one-third of Tennesseans have alcohol or drug abuse in their immediate family, and half of it have it in their extended family. It's sort of like if you have a room full of people and, you know, tell them to raise their hand if they've, and you follow this process, everyone pretty much has their hand up. What is, and, and I might open this question up to everybody in the room, what is the struggle to get over the stigma of drug and alcohol disorders, you know, use disorders, and then the mental health piece thrown in there? What are some of your experiences with getting over that stigma and, is this a part of the messaging on Wednesday? Um. To, to a certain extent, I think the uh, staggeringly in, increasing use of, of opioid prescription um, pain relievers has kind of opened a door a little bit because people have gotten hooked, um, if you will, or on, on a drug that they were prescribed and therefore um, uh, the misuse, abuse, or even um, dependence on those drugs has opened up a conversation between right. in families and with prescribers and, and, the, and other folks about the nature of abuse. And unfortunately, that you know, we, we need to take that conversation a little bit further probably to help people understand the nature of addiction with other substances as well. But uh, I think the, that has probably done more to, to help people understand how easy it is to get addicted and what the nature of addiction right. is. Is that a fair statement? Mm-hmm. I think, and I'm going to ask a couple more questions, but we assume that most, uh, now we're talking about the politicians who, the ears that I'm assuming that's who you're trying to go, you go up to the state capitol and you have, a, I understand, a breakfast arranged, and then you all try to go see your representatives, but we all assume that they understand the disease concept of alcohol and drug addiction and mental illness, but um being a little cynical, as I am sometimes, I guess that's an important piece to to keep telling them. And, the, and also the fact that every family in Tennessee is touched by this. And uh, Kyle, you got your hand up. Well, Kyle, yeah, I, I was just thinking, you, have a, you were talking legislators, and that's what we're going to do on the Hill Wednesday. But we need to return to basics. Because when we walk into a senator or a representative's office, it's, it's, it's helping them understand uh, they're always asking about costs. How much is this going to cost? For example, NIDA says for every dollar uh, invested in treatment, it saves taxpayers $12, uh, primarily in costs from incarceration or health care costs. But when I say basics, I try to sit down with um, the senators and others and say, look, here's what our program looks like. It's not a handout. It's a hand up. People have to pay rent when they come with us. If they don't have, to us, if they don't have employment, we sit with them and help them find jobs. But there, we help provide health care services to the mental health facilities or, or physical in nature, whatever their need is. So there are multiple services that, that say, we offer. And this is all within, like, if 
recovery support community, it's all within the context of, yes, there is structure here as well. So helping them understand the disease, when you put diabetes beside it or you put by it, hypertension, the studies have been done, this is a disease. So laying simple foundations of here's how we're impacting those taxpayer dollars because of the services we're providing, be it employment or be it healthcare related, all of those things are just mentioned. So just having a basic conversation to lay a foundation, because if we're not careful, we ask for an increase in budget without saying, here's how we're having a great impact. Very good. Dina from uh, Samaritan Recovery Community. Now, I wanted to piggyback off of that. I think one of the things that what makes TAD is so important is it's, we're coming together as a voice, but it's not our voice necessarily as providers. We're speaking for the people that we serve because they don't have a voice. Right. We are their voice. Right. And if it's not us speaking for them, then they don't have anybody to represent them at all. So we are that voice. And I think one of the things that is what keeps people from understanding that this is a disease is that this is not so much, this is a brain disease, and this is a brain disease that affects behavior. And so people don't understand that these behaviors are, you know, they just see it as bad behavior rather than a disease that affects, that has an impact on a person's behavior. And so that is both with the alcoholism and the addiction and the mental illness. All three of those affect behavior. So that makes, that has been the impact on the stigma. It's a very important message to, um, for them to hear. And I, I'm assuming you would all agree that they need to hear it over and over and over. Uh, Debbie Helen from uh, Buffalo Valley. You know, I've been on the Hill for several years uh, with regard to um, Tadis's Day on the Hill um, for at least 23 years that we've, I've been around uh, doing this. And I can see a shift in some of the thinking of our legislators. Uh, there are more who are willing to talk with us. There are more who are willing to be an advocate and help us to sponsor legislation that would help to provide access to services. Now, the one thing the state hasn't really done at this point is put a lot of financial investment into that. But there is some, at least, support that we have not had historically in the past. And uh, I think last year we saw that we were losing some adolescent programs, and uh, they prevented those dollars last year from being lost. So I think they are becoming more conscious of that. The other thing that I think is important to notice is the Prescription Drug Act. And so if we can, I'd like to talk about that uh, a little bit. Okay. We're still at TADA, so the conversation is getting deeper and better. And uh, when we come back, I think we're going to talk to Charlotte, had her hand up. We're going to continue talking to TADA about the advocacy piece, and I think we might get Mary back in the conversation on, in particular, uh, the facts they're going to show the leg- legislators on Wednesday when you go up to the Hill. And, and we'll be back in a minute. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. 
Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge is a nonprofit organization dedicated to supporting the recovery of families and individuals who experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. Westbridge provides integrated dual diagnosis treatment for adult men and women using evidence-based practices. Visit our site today at westbridge.org and discover that doing what works in helping individuals and families gain recovery from dual disorders is important to the staff at Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge utilizes current evidence-based practices, consensus practices, and old-fashioned common sense to provide treatment to individuals and families that experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. That's westbridge.org, family-centered recovery for co-occurring mental illness and substance abuse disorders. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. If you have a question for Mary or her guest, call now. The listener lines are open. The toll-free number is 1-866-472-5792. That number again is 1-866-472-5792. Now, let's get back to Mary and One Hour at a Time. Welcome back. We're we're at Tadis, and we've been talking to some members of Tadis here in the state of Tennessee, and we've we've gotten into the advocacy piece. Before we go any farther, though, I want to go around the room and let everybody tell you, the listeners, how to get a hold of uh, their facility. Debbie Debbie Hillen from Buffalo Valley. It is www.buffalovalley.org, and the eight hundred number is one eight hundred. Four four seven two seven six six. Thank you, Dina. From Good American is www.samctr.org. And Welcome Home Ministries website um, www.welcomehomemin.org. Thank you, Charlotte. Uh, Grace House of Memphis is www.gracehousememphis.org. 901-722-8460. And last but not least, Boomer Brown. Cadis uh, is cadis.org, and all the numbers are on the website. And at C, as in Charlie, A-D, as in David, A-S, Cadis, correct? They understand you. They don't understand. Well, I, you know, I'm trying to, <laughs> to, to get it out clear. So... Uh, Charlotte, you from Grace House, you had your hand up, and we were talking about some. Debbie had talked about something that kind of hit a nerve, and, and what did you want to share with? Us? Uh, mine, I guess, is to you back in probably all things that everybody has said it again, and uh, I wanted to talk about the moral stigma that used to be around alcohol and drug use. I mean, you know, at one time they put people in an asylum. Right. Uh, at one time, when prohibition came along, they thought, oh, we'll get rid of the alcohol, we'll let all the alcoholics die, and then the problem will be solved. And it's just kind of gone on and progressed through the years. And, um, and so today, it, we have to recognize the fact that it's not a moral issue. It is a chronic condition like diabetes or hypertension and, and realize it's what it is and quit blaming the victim. Right. Um, and as far as the voice goes, I would like to say that, that we do provide the voice for the people that we serve. And I think that's particularly important because the people that we serve at our agency, at least, are all indigent, 100% indigent. And if you go talk to politicians or other leaders in the community, they want to know, how is this going to impact my community? Well, indigent people, don't, in my opinion, they do not consider necessarily to be their biggest voting block. And so um, 
they want to look at other, they need to see other things like how does it affect uh, productivity, how does it affect the workplace, how does it affect the crime in my area. Mm-hmm. And so it's up to us to put all that information together um, so that politicians and leaders can understand the importance. And I think it's, I've, I've interviewed people on this show before that have told really compelling stories. Um, we assume that they come from uh, lower economic backgrounds, but very, very often, as all of you know, in your facilities, there comes the son of the president of the company, and they gave up, and they tried everything they possibly could. I think this is a common occurrence with co-occurring. They would send him to the, on one of those jets to the palm tree, and he would come back, and then the mental illness becomes symptomatic, and then they go to the state hospital. They really don't know what to do. And, I, you know, I'm just reframing it in terms of these are people that are, you know, are given up on sometimes and many times. So, uh, Debbie, you wanted to just to let you finish your uh, comment from earlier. Cecilia is addressing... Uh, the uh, opiate epidemic that we have here in the state. And one of the the numbers that our agency pulled was that from last year, 2012-13, compared to uh, 2011-12, there was a 42% increase in opiate addicts presenting for detox and treatment. And while that is an increase, our state did not increase any funding to cover those trying to access treatment. So, again, that's the reason for the day on the Hill Wednesday. Thank you. Any any comments, um, Kyle, on that? I had a Mayor. couple of comments I wanted to make to follow up. And we've what Debbie really talked about is the, the need to provide treatment um, resources in order to fund this. Two, two things. One is that... We've done some things around prescription practices. We've done some things to, to clamp down on access to Sudafed and, and meth um, production. Um, but these things tend to squeeze out like, you know, in a toothpaste tube. You clamp down on one end and it pops up on the other end. And right now, yes, we've seen a, a spike in opioids. It may be decreasing right now, but we're seeing a spike in heroin use as well because the, the addiction doesn't go away just because you've, you've stopped access. Addiction is a disease. It, it doesn't just happen because, you know, there's a pill laying out on a countertop. <laughs> you, it, it happens because of what happens inside the person. So the, the need uh, needs to be addressed not only with limiting access, but also providing treatment. And one of the things, my second point, is that what we see on the, the Tennessee Red Line, on our 24-7 hotline, uh-huh. the people who call, who... You know, they call and they, we give them five phone numbers to five different treatment agencies that have uh, dollars from the state of Tennessee to treat people without insurance. They call that five and they call back. Nobody has a bed. I can't get in. They're, you know, I'm, I don't know what else to do. We give them another five and they call back and we give them another five. Right. They can go through every facility. They get state dollars in the state of Tennessee and specifically around certain, you know, periods of, of the year when those state dollars are usually expended. There are no beds and there are no services. And it's just difficult when you answer the phone and you have absolutely nowhere to send these people. Yeah. The amount of state dollars currently funds every year just over 13,000 people to get access to treatment. And just with opioid um, treatment needs alone, we need services for 200,000 people. Wow. And that's just opioids. 
if you take in the needs of every person with an addiction issue, it would be just over three, I'm sorry, oh, just over 400,000 people in the state of Tennessee. We are 13,000 people that are served is not even a drop in the bucket. It's like half a drop. So we really need for the legislature and for the advocates around the state to understand how little we are actually able to um, make a, a dent in that problem. Where does the state of Tennessee rank uh, in the United States as far as funding for uh, addiction services? I mean, um, we get our, most of our funding from the federal government, from SAMHSA. Um, I couldn't tell you specifically, but I don't know that there are state dollars specifically allocated for treating the uninsured. But if I understand what you're asking, though, there have been some statistics in the past that we've ranked like 48, between 48 and 45th in terms of funding. So we're way down the list. Okay. Could I, could I redirect? Hey, Go before ahead. you do that, we're, before we're, we're 48th in funding, but we're number two in the amount of opioid addicts in the country. Right. All right. Well, there's a clear, clear picture. What do you, what no, would you I, like I to just, say, Given all of this, read, kind of redirect coming off of what you were just saying um, about people giving up, you know, on family members. Or some, there's hope. Um, I was talking with an individual last week, said so I went into a treatment facility, and they relapsed and relapsed. Relapse is a part of recovery, and part of what we need to do in terms of education is help individuals realize that we have not given up on them. That's why we exist, treatment and recovery support alike. Very good. That's a really good message. Dina? Yeah, I was just going to say, I could say a couple things here based on what Mary Linden said. For our 26 beds, we get over 300 calls a month for those 26 beds. Yeah. And that's a month, anywhere from 300 to 450. And treatment does work, and we don't give up. We keep fighting it every day. Mm -hmm. So the uh, message, uh, treatment does work. We need to, You need to have uh, support. The opioid uh, revolution is also causing a lot of psychotic breaks, which push them over in the mental health side. There's a whole lot of issues to advocate for. And I want to, you know, on behalf of Westbridge and one hour at a time, thank Debbie Hillen from Buffalo Valley, Kyle Duvall from Welcome Home Ministries, Boomer Brown from Chattanooga, Tennessee, Charlotte Hoppers from Grace House in Memphis, Dina Crossley from Samaritan Recovery Community, which is in Nashville, and Mary Lyndon Salter from TADIS. We want to thank you for helping to organize and implement this different kind of a show for one hour at a time. And, um, you know, we thank you for all showing up today and sharing your experience, strength, and hope. And we wish you the very best of luck on the Hill. And folks who want to get this show, please go to westbridge.org, the website, and look up. You'll be able to see where to hear the show on Voice America uh, and also our other resources, including our book, When the Door Opened. And thank you, and until next time, this is John McAndrew. We appreciate you joining us today for one hour at a time. Successful recovery from a substance abuse problem or mental illness depends on education and support of loved ones. Thank you for being that support system. Be sure to tune in next week for another hour of education and compassion, one hour at a time. We'll see you next week.